And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me on the phone line today is Dr. John Vance. Pastor Vance, it's great to have you with us. Well, again, it's my delight. You've uh, moved down to West Virginia. We've told the folks that a number of times. And um, before we open the mic, you were mentioning that the weather is somewhat similar to what you're used to. That was here in the Hudson Valley of New York State, where this broadcast is originating. Um, But we also have something else in common, and that is um, there's a lot of uh, duress societally right now that we are observing that we're going through ourselves as we uh, have to put up with um, leadership that's less than that which would please the Lord, put it that way. So uh, you have some thoughts today, and this is very much a fireside chat, if you will. Um, To get us started, I think you have something about the psychology of crowds. Could you share with us what's on your mind there? I'm starting to read Gustave Le Bon's uh, famous uh, work, The Crowd, Study of Popular Mind. It was written, I think, uh, maybe in 1895, and that, in any way, at the end of the uh, 19th century. But he has a wonderful study on crowds. I've looked through the book. I haven't read it thoroughly. I plan on doing so. But I got to thinking about this in terms of Palm Sunday. Uh, which I plan on uh, speaking in a local church here on Palm Sunday. I, I don't do much preaching anymore. Uh, I do reading and writing, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, it got me to thinking about crowds. You know, uh, Jesus went in uh, to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday with great acclaim. Great acclaim. And he was welcomed. The people threw their garments down before him as he came riding in. Uh, and before the week was out, everyone had turned against him. Yes. Everyone. Even his disciples. And it got me to thinking about the fickleness of the human psyche, and in particular, the dynamic of crowds. And Le bon is a perfect person to read uh, on this, and because it's scriptural. Uh, crowds are interesting things in the Bible. The Bible says that thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. That's in the book of Exodus. Mm. Uh, so we're warned against the, the, uh, crowds or the multitude. You know, we keep hearing things like scientific consensus. Everyone agrees this is the case. <laughs> but LeBron is warning us about many things that the popular mind accepts that is more likely to be wrong than right. Yes. And I think our leaders are pr- are preying on that today uh, to the extent that we are losing our freedom. Uh, but lots of people are persuaded just simply because they are uh, in the minority that they could be wrong. Uh, it's likely that the minority is always is much more likely to be right than the majority. Yes, uh, Le Bon says and. And, and the Bible, over and over, uh, kind of uh, embraces this theme. Enter through the narrow gate, uh, uh, Jesus said. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. But many uh, enter through it. So, uh, I've been thinking along these lines about the delusions of our times. And crowds tend to be delusional because they're like a pack of wild dogs. They get together and something takes over that's not individual, but it's a crowd personality. 
And we've seen this, what's going on against uh, in Canada. Uh, here you've got these, these uh, truckers looking for freedom, and they're being denounced by the uh, mainstream media, by uh, governments, and by leaders as if they are uh, revolutionaries. And here they are sitting in their trucks <laughs> uh, with their families. Uh, there's not a hint of, of, of uh, any kind of violence and so forth. So we live in strange times, and, and I would encourage people to read some of those verses in the Bible that have to do with uh, the crowd and the majority and the multitude. Yes. It's hard to sort out truth from error in the era that we live in because of this. It really is. In another interview, I was mentioning this to uh, an expert in military history and all of that, and um, some nations practice uh, intentional deception to try to missteer us, and um, there probably is some of that going on, maybe a lot of that going on with uh, a lot of it, U- Ukraine and Russia right now, and it might even be coming a lot of it, coming yeah. from our own people uh, as a false flag. So, uh, yeah, it's very hard to, to uh, get your hands on the truth, understand what's going on, and boy, that's where biblical wisdom comes in, doesn't it? You, um, oh my, my, yeah. my! The scriptures. I begin to think about crowds and how much the scripture warns against the multitude. Uh, but, but I, I believe that, uh, in fact, LeBron says that a crowd is is much more subject to being uh, deceived and deluded mm. than they are to receiving the truth. Yes, and uh, we've seen that through history. You mentioned the military leader. Look at Napoleon. Uh, look, look! Look what Hitler did. Look at great lead, uh, leaders, charismatic leaders, how they led the people to, oh yeah, to uh, destruction. Uh, and, and do we think we are exempt in this country? Oh my! From that sort of dynamic. So we have to. Uh, people have to be on guard today. I hope. I hope that uh, uh, our listeners are rooted in the scriptures and and listening to the right voices. Yes. Amen. Um, one of the practices that we've talked about in the past is just simply reading the book of Proverbs. You know, there's 31 chapters, read a chapter a day, and it kind of helps keep you on track. It's uh, it's almost similar to having um, input from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which sets up boundary conditions for truth. And you say, wait a minute, I just violated a major truth here. I better back off and, and get myself back on track. But Proverbs, in even a greater way, is the very Word of God and, and can guide us in a, in a daily way to, to make the right decisions, I believe. There's a, uh, a, a historic prayer that I use sometimes in public liturgy. It's a prayer uh, for illumination as the Scripture is read. Yeah. Still, any voice in me, but I know, no Lord. Mm. And uh, we need to hear the Scriptures fresh and new again in these times. And that involves uh, hearing the Word of God uh, with the people of God together, mm. uh, that we might not lose our way. Yeah. You mentioned crowds and the psychology of crowds, and you almost can picture these um, so-called lemmings, or, or maybe a, a flock of uh, of sheep that are being led by the wrong shepherd and end up running off a, a cliff. And uh, that's kind of the feeling you get right now. Um, what if we uh, now talked a little bit about education? You have a, 
great amount of experience in that, uh, not not only uh, teaching the people of God regularly from the pulpit, but also uh, in the educational system at the university level, uh, teaching courses. Uh, let, let's think about education. Uh, first of all, how important is uh, is education? Life itself is is one of education. We're acquiring knowledge so that we might know how to live in the world. In fact, you mentioned the book of Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Wisdom is knowing how to to assimilate uh, the data of the world and applying it to our living. In other mm. words, that's wisdom. We take what knowledge we have and we apply it to be able to live uh, to 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 live right. As one of my former teachers said when I was a, a kid and didn't know it, she was a black woman. I was in 10th grade, and uh, uh, Tony Brown, the, the black journalist, uh, did a, a life on her, and the title of it was Live Right, Die Right. Mm. And one time she caught me doing something wrong. She was a Christian, by the way. I found out I didn't know at the time as a kid. <laughs> but she reprimanded me for something that was clearly I was doing that was wrong, and um, uh, I I was reminded uh, at that point, not only is it important to uh, gain uh, facts about history and to learn our math, but also the the emotions and the the moral education uh, has to be a part of that as well. Right. What we've done in the modern world is divorce uh, the training of our appetites and moral discipline from, uh, I would say, academic or theoretical knowledge to our own destruction. Uh, that started, uh, of course, well more than 100 years ago in this country. But it used to be that you had moral instruction right along with your ABCs and, uh, and your numbers. Uh, we don't do that today, except in the wrong way. Mm. We try to sexual everybody, uh, our children in, in schools, and Correct. I can get into that. But the second thing that has happened is that since the 60s, Marxism clearly has taken over uh, as, as the dominant ethos in our American universities. Uh, Marxism uh, has been, if you will, mar- uh, modified. But uh, higher education uh, was um, compromised immensely with the 60s generation as they became professors in schools. And, and I believe that... Uh, it, Without question, without exception, hardly in major secular and and uh, prestigious uh, universities, uh, there is a toxic environment against traditional values. There oh is yes, no question. Yes, and it's it's shocking to consider some of the famous schools were founded as as Christian schools for the training of ministers, and how far afield they have gone. There are still a, there's still a remnant uh, in each one of these great universities like Harvard or Princeton, uh, but the truth is uh, uh, they're in the minority, mm. and uh, uh, I, I think people have to be very careful in where they see their children go to school and so forth. There are not many Hillsdales or Covenant Colleges or no. uh, schools like that that you can go to, so you have to be careful. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Well, today we're talking with Dr. John Vance, former pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church, Rock Tavern, New York, now living in West Virginia. And we look to 
Pastor Vance for wisdom. Uh, I do personally, and uh, he helps us here at the network at Redeemer Broadcasting. And we're talking about a number of subjects today, kind of a fireside chat, if you will. We started off on the psychology of crowds and how we really need wisdom as we participate in crowds because so often they will act on the spur of the moment and you kind of envision lemmings running off a cliff or maybe sheep running off a cliff if they get the wrong direction and oftentimes crowds do. Uh, We've touched upon education. Now what about um, obedience and discipline in these young people's lives? Maybe Maybe parents and children, what what kind of guidelines come to mind as we, we think about that subject? Obedience. Let me start with that. That's, that's, that's a wonderful word. You don't hear it much anymore, do you? <laughs> uh, but an obedient child or an obedient person, period, is a happier person. Yes. Your, your happiness and your blessedness is tied to uh, what we call obedience knowing that you're doing right. Amen. Uh, knowing that for the Christian, you're pleasing God. And we know how we feel uh, when we sin. And mm-hmm. and and the Lord's Prayer uh, teaches us right away. Uh, we, we, we pray to the Lord and are reminded that we have a Father in heaven. But Jesus also taught us in that prayer that we pray that uh, he would forgive us our trespasses or debts mm. as we do so with others. So it reminds us that our blessedness is following the right track, and when we fail, uh, we seek God's forgiveness and restoration. Mm. So obedience is, is a wonderful uh, uh, matter, and you, you never hear that uh, in the context of a, a public school situation or whatever, uh, that it's tied to your blessing. Mm. But obedience is an important concept, and that requires discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, the word discipline, it, it comes from a Greek word. It means disciple, of course, to follow someone like the Lord. And uh, discipline means uh, being able to control yourself and follow in the right path. Mm. And uh, we, we, we're trying to educate people in our public schools without discipline. Yes. In places like Baltimore and Chicago and Detroit and and many even smaller communities across America, discipline has broken down. As a matter of fact, you cannot expel a kid. You cannot fail a kid. Uh, uh, you have to become their substitute parents. Everything that they uh, need, medic- medicine, food, whatever. Uh, not only has our school system become, in some senses, a, a substitute parent, but it is a substitute parent that requires nothing from the children. Mm. And... Yeah. Um, it's not possible. It's not possible to have education apart from discipline. So we, we are failing in this country in public education in a huge way. Yeah, yeah. Um, not long ago, Deb and myself went to a Christmas presentation at Chapelfield because one of our grandchildren are enrolled in pre-K, and they put on a little presentation. It was very nice. Uh, And there was a lot of memorization that they had the children do. I was most impressed with it. 
And uh, now and then you f- you see a bright spot like this, like Chapel Field Christian School, and repeated all over the United States in in small instances of homeschooling, where a mom is working her head off, <laughs> mm-hmm. training her children, and sometimes getting together with other moms and dads, um, sharing the load, and sometimes even with a school like Chapel Field where. Um, there's kind of a mix of responsibilities at times, and they will reach out and help the homeschooler. But these are, you kind of get the feeling they're few and far between. I'm hoping there's a lot more out there than what we realize, but these are definite bright spots in our culture right now. My my granddaughter, uh, Lorna, uh, recently uh, her parents, my daughter, enrolled her in Christian school because she wasn't doing well in public school. Now, she's a second grader. Mm -hmm. But there was so much going on in the public school and so forth. Uh, So they they decided to try out a Christian school, and they sent her to a Christian school in the Orlando area. And, well, the first thing they did was have her to memorize every Friday a certain amount of words of vocabulary. You know, memorization is a good thing. Yeah, and also Bible verses. And my uh, granddaughter uh, turned everything around through uh, this approach, uh, where she was required to meet certain standards. Uh, the parents had to help at home. You know, it's not education is a parental thing. It really it's is primary that the parents be involved. And uh, so it turned things around for her, <laughs> and uh, it, it reinforced for me again the importance of parents involved in the children's education, whether it's in Christian school or homeschooling. But uh, I've come to the conclusion today that if you can possibly do it in any way, shape, or form, get your kids in those contexts, because I don't think that they're going to prosper in the way that they can without that kind of environment. Yes. In our public schools today, I mentioned Marxism. Marxism is a hateful philosophy. It pits one group against another, whether it's class, like the middle class against the working class, Mm -hmm. or the upper class, class warfare in traditional Marxism. But today we've turned it into race, black against white, critical race theory. It teaches racial hatred. And uh, the unions are in control of education more than ever before, rather than the parents. You know, the children do not belong to the unions or to the school board. They belong uh, to the parents. And and Christian people have to once again capture that and hold on to that truth that God entrusts these children to us, that we might bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. If I had one, one thing to say today, it would be to remember that truth. And you take the responsibility for the education of your children, whatever it takes, uh, wh- whatever the cost. And and that may, yeah, that's going to involve sacrifices mm. uh, that you, you probably didn't uh, count on in life. But uh, <laughs> today we're in such a crucial uh, situation. Uh, the environment is so bad in public schools, for the most part, yes. uh, that there ha- something has to be done. Well, one of the things that may help a parent change their emotion toward this immense cost both you know money wise as well as time but the, the tremendous cost involved with with 
that sort of thing on schooling is think of the alternative. What happens if your young young person, little girl, little boy, grows up to be a God-hater? How will that break your heart? And it's something you can't get over, you can't get away from. You've lost your child. And yes, you know, there's a chance that they may come back to the Lord in, in God's mercy, and yet they will be scarred. And so think about it hard, that it may seem like the cost is high, and it, it, it is, but the alternative may actually be a higher cost. And so for the sake of this little one, um, I want to use this word cautiously, save their souls. Now it's God that does that, 100%. Yes, yes. But you know what I'm saying, uh, it's... Oh, yeah. So, so worth it. Uh, Today we're talking with Dr. John Vance. He's a dear friend of the ministry, one of our board members, advisor, and his wisdom helps keep us on track here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Uh, We've got a couple, two, three minutes left, Pastor Vance. What about the family out there that's saying, well, these are such hard times, and I don't know. What's what's going on? They're, they're shoving Marxism down our throats. I, I fear for my very life. I, I think we'll put off having children. You know, what about this fear that may set in to a family? A very real, reasonable fear. Well, maybe we should put off having children. We can't afford it. Any any, any advice for them? Well, let me, let me follow that up with a couple of... Uh notions that I'll try to tie together here. First of all, uh, I can understand the fear and reluctance. I've heard it I heard it from my own two daughters when they mm. were first married and so forth. Do I want to bring children into the world in this environment? Mm. And the answer is yes. There's a, a, an unqualified yes. Uh, we're not at such a stage of persecution where you can't. But let me let me say two things here. One is that you cannot have a true education unless uh, God is at the bottom of everything mm. or at the top of everything, ever how you want to put it, surrounding us. Yeah. The medieval mind and was wrong on some things, but one thing they understood, that education was uh, Coram Deo, as uh, Luther used it, before the face of God. Mm-hmm. And, and God has to be the foundation of everything in education. Uh, all the great science and everything flows out of, uh, a believing system of Christianity in the West. The second thing I would say is, and this is very important, when you start to pray your prayer, Jesus taught us a model prayer, and it starts out with our Father. Mm. We have a Father in Heaven. This universe, ultimately and finally, no matter how violent outer space may be in its beauty, or how much violence there is on Earth, underneath us are the everlasting arms of a loving God. Amen. This world is not out of control. It's friendly. And we need to recapture that vision that if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. And he's not only just simply a God that's distant, he's a Father who loves us. And we need to remember that. And this kind of love casts out fear. So we we need not to be afraid. Hmm. Uh, We have to take courage and and go forth and live as, and do the will of God. And uh, I see that as being uh, all important in, in, in trying to, if you will, give hope to our families and to people who hear this. Mm. Underneath of us 
are the arms of an everlasting God who loves us. Amen. And that's what's important to remember. Beautiful. Today we've been talking with Pastor John Vance, and we've had kind of a, a mix of subjects, but they're all focused on God and keeping Him in our perspective and not losing hope. Because as Pastor Vance has shared, underneath are the everlasting arms. Perhaps you have a question for this program for Dr. Vance. We'd be glad to pass along your question to him. Our address is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. That's our email address. And um, Pastor Vance, I want to thank you very much for taking your precious time and sharing it with our listeners today. Thank you for having me. Dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.